everybody, and welcome to Faith Church Chats. Um, I'm Isaiah. Uh, thanks for joining us on our first episode. Um, today we have Executive Pastor Jonathan Elgersma. Jonathan, how are you doing today? Good, Isaiah. Thanks for having me on. So fun. Such a great idea. So glad uh, you brought this to us, and I'm just glad that uh, we get to kind of launch it and get it going. Sweet. Um, before we uh, start a little bit of a Q&A session, um, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, so Jonathan Elgersma, I just graduated from Western Theological Seminary in 2001 and was extended a call to become a senior pastor at Faith Reformed Church. Uh, we've been there 19 years, uh, married to my wife, Kendra. We're now on 26 years. Um, when, when we first came to Faith, uh, we came and Kylie started school at New Groningen. Um, and Mark was a three-year-old, and now uh, Kylie's 24, and Mark's about to turn 22, and just the privilege of what it's meant to be a part of a community. Um, <clears throat> I often say that I sit in the seat that most pastors dream about, and that's because of the people of Faith Reformed Church, the leadership. It's a remarkable church. It's just a gift and privilege to be one of the pastors that participate in this great community. And so um, just grateful we get to share some of our story a little bit through this. And so, again, just super proud of you and what this brings um, to faith and just a remarkable community. So it's been a, a privilege to be a part of it. Great. Thanks. Uh, all right. Let's start with um, some questions. Um, what is your favorite topic to preach on? Yeah, I think most pastors will say their favorite topic to preach on is grace. Um, this remarkable gift that we don't deserve of salvation, of the comfort of everlasting life, of death being defeated, of us being set free from our sin. And, and simply it's all because of what God has done in love for G through Jesus um, for us. And so uh, just being able to, to preach about grace and remind people <clears throat> they're saved because what God has done out of love for them. Um, Heidelberg Catechism question and answer number 60 and, I know people don't get super excited about the Heidelberg Catechism, but there's this great line that says, out of sheer grace. And so being able to bring proclamation, bring a message from God to God's people, that out of sheer grace. And, and that's, that's formulated, too, by the baptismal font. It's the table, all of those things. Um, at the very end of every email that I send, I have a line. My signature is a life defined by grace, um, that I get to experience what I don't deserve. And so... The, the most privileged uh, topic of being able to bring proclamation about is the topic of God's grace for God's people. Great. Um, what do you do in preparation um, for your sermons in Sunday? Yeah, so there's a group of us. Um, it starts way before we ever get to that week or that Sunday. Uh, there's a group of us right now. It's Pastor Marsha, myself, Matt Hanegraaff. Jim DeYoung, uh, Sherry Brower, and Pastor Gene Voss. Um, and we kind of formulate what we're going to do for uh, the next five, six, eight months. Um, anytime we're in Advent or in Christmas, anytime we're in Lent and Easter and Holy Week, um, we always live into the lectionary. And so we always join the church around the world. And so that becomes the text we're, um, we're preaching from. And then uh, the other weeks we kind of form and put together collaboratively what a sermon series is going to look like. And then specifically for that week, um, Isaiah, for me, it always starts with the text. And so 
Um, I always begin either memorizing the text or I begin copying down the text. Um, I print off three different versions. I print from the new revised standard. I go from the, the new century English version and then I go from the message and I copy out the new revised standard. Um, I write it out in a yellow pad of paper. So if you ever see me with a yellow pad of paper, I'm always working on message stuff. Um, and just start with the text and, and I go to the original languages. I read it out loud. I think one of the most important pieces of preaching is praying over the text, being able to ask God to show what God wants to say to his people. Um, and then th from that process, uh, you really begin to kind of formulate Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, we have our worship planning meeting. And so some formulation of what the content is going to be. So songs can be chosen and different elements of worship can participate in the midst of that. Um, and then hopefully sometime by Wednesday, Thursday, I'm writing. I'd love to have it done every Thursday afternoon. Uh, realistically, that doesn't happen as often as I'd like. And so most of the time, I'm probably still working on it on Friday and Saturday. Like, it's Saturday today, right? And so um, on Sunday, tomorrow, I've still got some work I need to do. I know the content. I know what I want to do. But it's the artistic side of that piece um, where, you know, words matter. Um, but the, the biggest thing that I always want to share is that preaching is about being sent by the community to God's word to bring a message back specifically for those people from God. Um, and so I'm a minister of word and sacrament, and I get sent week in, week out uh, to bring back a message from God to God's people. And it's a privilege. It's a privilege to live in that work. It's a privilege to do that with people of Faith Reformed Church. Um, and so there's a lot of my process that happens in the midst of that, but it always starts with the text. Good. That's a good place to start. Um, what is your favorite part about Sunday? Oh, there's so many different parts. Um, one, when we do it well, when we do Sunday well, it's a day where we're focused in on God and we're not always thinking about what are the people are thinking and what other people are feeling. And so my favorite part will be the moments where either in prayer or proclamation or reading scripture or will be where there's just this genuine focus in on who and who God is and what God has done for his people. Um, I, I love the gathering of the people. Um, I love the leading of worship. I always believed, and, and this is true, um, just in this, the way that we symbolize things at faith that the most important thing we do week to week is read God's word out loud um, for no other reason than there's power in God's word. And when God's word is spoken over his people, um, it creates life. And so um, one of the reasons why we stand in worship right, for the reading of God's word, because God's word doesn't need anything added to it. It's creative, it's living, it's active, it transforms lives. Um, and so, that's always one of the huge highlights for me is just what does it mean for us to read scripture? But then, you know, there's so many other pieces, the fellowship. I love the table. I love the baptismal font. Um, I just I mean, Isaiah, I love the church. And so uh, uh, there's so many pieces. That's a hard question for me to answer. It's great. Um, what, in your opinion, is an underrated book of the Bible? Yeah, if we're looking at New Testament stuff, because there's right New Testimony in the Old Testimony. So the New Testimony, um, I don't think we give enough credence to the fullness of the four Gospels written together. Um, I think we tend to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John compartmentalized and separately. 
instead of a collective. And so um, I think that's underrated. Um, and then books that just speak about Jesus and what Jesus has done. And so Colossians is one of those books where just the focus in on Jesus as divine, Jesus as the center, Jesus as the creator, Jesus as the one uh, who we find life is. And then Ephesians, um, what does that mean? And Paul does a remarkable job. There's three different prayers in the book of Ephesians. Um, if anybody wants to read just a rich theology, um, just a beautifully written book, the book of Ephesians. Then when we go to, you know, back into the Old Testament, where we kind of the roots of the Jewish heritage, um, you know, the, the minor prophets, we don't spend a ton of time there. Uh, most of us know the story of Jonah, but do we know the other stories of some of the minor prophets? There's a, a richness that exists in the midst of that. Um, of course, just being able to read through some of the historical books, First and Second Samuel. And then, I mean, Ruth, Ruth is just a fun book. It's playful. It's beautiful, but then you have this foreigner who becomes the great-grandmother of the king who becomes the foundation of Jesus' family, right? And so uh, there's just a beauty, and it's so short, but it's so intentionally written with such a beautiful playfulness to it. Um, and so I love the book of Ruth. I, I just love scripture. And so, uh, but those would be some of the places I think we overlook. Sweet. Um, what is your favorite verse or character or story of the Bible? Yeah, so favorite verse would be First uh, Peter chapter 1. Uh, uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And there's some things I love about it. One, it just says, you know, this is because God blessed be the God and Father. Um, how did this happen? By his great mercy. And what has he done? He's given us a new birth. And how is that all that's happened because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Um, I think specifically in the church, we don't live enough with the passion of Jesus being alive. Um, we tend to be, I think, in the church specifically within the Reformed faith a little bit too Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and not Resurrection Sunday enough. Um, and so I think we need to live with a greater sense of Jesus being alive. And what does that mean? Um, character, I mean, just some of the disciples love Peter. Um, just because he's a, he's has this emotional reaction a lot of the times, and I think we all find ourselves in both the success and the desire to follow Jesus, Jesus, and yet also in the failures and just the grace that that he's extended. Um, but I also think there's a number of conversations about women, and so um, I love the story of Mary and just her the remarkable faith. I mean, Isaiah, you're a teenager, right? To think that an angel would come and visit a teenager and give her news, and her response would be, may it be to me as you have said. Um, I just love that story of Mary and how remarkable that is. Um, as I said earlier, I love the story of Ruth and just her faithfulness. Um, and so just being able to live into that as well. Great. Um, what is your favorite hymn and or song? Yeah, I love In Christ Alone. <clears throat> um, I love In Christ Alone because it, it's kind of the Apostles' Creed, I think, of this generation. It gives a strong theological expression. Um, it brings generations together when we sing it. Um, and so I love that. If I have to go back and pick some old hymns, um, I love uh, Come Now, Fount of Every Blessing. Right? I love the line in the third verse. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take, oh, take my heart and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I mean, that's just a beautiful line. 
recognizing that it's by God we have salvation. Um, and then just some of the newer stuff, Living Hope, uh, that's such a beautiful song, right? It comes back to kind of the first Peter that we are given a new birth into a living hope, and that's through Christ. And so um, I love music. I'm one of those people that loves all the spectrums. So I love to sing the old hymns. I love to sing the new stuff. I know a lot of people have preferences, but I just think um, the full spectrum of music uh, captures a greater sense of what the kingdom of God is like. Yeah, those are some good songs. Um, how do you connect um, Jonathan with God on a daily basis? Yeah, so um, they call them spiritual disciplines for a reason, right? So there's a discipline that exists in the midst of that. And when it comes to this stuff, I'm pretty disciplined. Um, so every morning when I wake up, I start with a breath prayer. And it's a breath prayer of the four living creatures that are gathered around the throne room around the throne uh, in the throne room in Revelation chapter 4 and so uh, it is the four living creatures and they day and night without ceasing they sing holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and so every morning when I wake up um, the first thing I do is I just do a breath prayer holy 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and then when I've gone through that, maybe a couple times, um, then I'll say the Lord's Prayer um, and just being in a place where I say it slowly um, so that I mean it and it's not just a rote. Um, and then I'll pray through my day. Um, there's a number of places where I've committed to praying for people, whether it's prayer partners with our high school folks or some of our congregational care people. Um, I feel a deep sense of being able to pray for our leaders, so our staff and our consistory. I pray through um, I actually pray through most weeks um, all of the churches and their pastors. Um, and so just the power of prayer. And um, even now in this quarantine time, I'm doing a prayer journal. So I'm taking time each day to write. And then um, scripture, the power of scripture. And so um, I have a rule that I'm not allowed to read any emails. I'm allowed, not allowed to check any text messages or do anything on my phone until I've read scripture. Um, and I typically use the words of hope the devotional for that. So I just read the scripture passage for that for the day. Um, and then uh, just other things that I'm pretty committed to is regular rhythms of worship. And so on a weekly basis and sometimes by or, uh, two, three times a week. Um, and then tithing. What does it mean for us to tithe? And so um, I'm pretty strict about that, pretty disciplined about that. The very first thing that we as a family do is that when our paychecks come, we tithe. And so we say, God, you get the first fruits. Um, and then Sabbath, and what does it mean for us to have a day where we just, we rest, and we live in relationship with God, and um, we enjoy and delight in that place of rest. And so um, those are some of the spiritual disciplines that I play, pay particular attention to. Um, I just think it's important to live in those good rhythms. Um, I think rhythms are really important part of the, the spiritual journey. And so rhythms of devotion, rhythms of worship, rhythms of tithing. Um, rhythms of Sabbath. Those are just important things for me. Yeah, that's great. Um, how and when um, did you know you were being called into ministry? Uh, to be honest, I fought it like a, I fought like mad against it. Um, <clears throat> I was in, I was at Calvin, I was in college and I didn't go to college for the right reasons. I went to college because of athletics. And so I was more interested in soccer, basketball, hockey, track and field than I was in um, academics. And so 
I needed to do better in the classroom and I didn't realize that until later. And so I was going to be a, a teacher. And in order to get into the education program, I needed a 2.5 GPA and my GPA was a 2.49 and they did not let me into the education program. So I had to figure some things out. Um, I went to work with a ministry called Young Life. And so I was a Young Life Church partner in Granville when I first graduated from college and um, just kind of had this transformational experience around what it meant to share the gospel with high school kids, um, what it meant to do that within the church, what it meant to do that within the community. Um, and so through, for the first five years of Kendra and I being married and graduating from college, um, we were at Olivet Reformed Church in Granville. And about three years into that, uh, God started nudging me that there was something else. And I tried to look, at, Isaiah tried to look at everything besides being in ministry. Um, whether it was business, whether it was going into some organizational uh, expression, being able to start my own business. I mean, I explored everything. Um, and then it was December the 26th of 1997. Uh, Kendra was pregnant with Mark. And uh, I woke up that morning, the day after Christmas, and I read John 1 as my devotion. And I realized in that moment that I did not believe in anything more profound or more beautiful or more influential than the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, and just like at that moment felt this overwhelming sense that I needed to give my life to that message. And so Ken and I were driving, we were actually in my, at my parents' place in Canada when that happened. Um, we were driving back to, to uh, Granville and as we were driving between the border and Flint. And so Port Huron and Flint, Michigan, I turned to Kendra and I said, uh, I think God's calling us to leave the church and go to seminary. And she said, I've known for a little while and I was wondering when you were going to figure it out. Um, and so here we were a family of four. We sold our house. We sold our life. Um, we gave up coaching varsity girls and boys soccer opening up the weight room every week. We had almost 500 kids who we were making connection with Young Life. And it was a phenomenal ministry to be part of, and we gave it all up to go to seminary. Um, and then when I was in seminary, um, just had an incredible experience of transformation. And then uh, at the end of seminary, um, here we go, we're called the Faith Reformed Church. And it was a vivid call to Faith Reformed Church. We knew we were supposed to come. Everybody said we shouldn't. Um, and yet we knew we were supposed to come and it's been, again, it's that act of grace, right? And I love to preach on grace because there's things I just did experience that I don't deserve. I don't deserve the richness of Kendra in my life as my wife. I don't deserve the richness of Kylie and Marcus kids. I don't deserve the richness of being a community, part of a community like faith or like it was at Washington Theological Seminary. I mean, just this profound, remarkable uh, journey of God leading when I didn't even realize it. And so... Um, yeah, the journey of call is a pretty remarkable one. Yeah, that's a great story. Um, what does um, communion and the themes of remembrance, communion, and of hope re mean to you? Yeah, so when I saw that question on there from you, um, I was pretty proud of you, actually, um, which also means, I mean, you and I have been in a number of conversations about this. I am a minister of word and sacrament. And a lot of people who are in my role forget that they're part of sacrament. And so one of my goals the entire time I've been at faith has been to raise up the sacramental vision and to raise up a sacramental appreciation, whether that's the baptismal font or the table. Specifically around the table, um, you know, the, the three parts of our liturgy are 
remembrance, communion, and hope. <clears throat> but we also use as part of our liturgy that same breath prayer that I use in the morning of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Right? And so who was? We remember what God has done in the past for us through Jesus Christ. And so that's one of the places that is just rich for me. Um, we remember the cross. We remember the incarnation. We remember the beauty of the resurrection. We remember everything that Christ has done for us. But then, and most people stop there, um, right? They just, they live in this place of we remember what, but there's also this moment at the table because Jesus is alive that the table becomes alive and that Jesus is present there. Literally within the Reformed faith, we call it the real presence of Jesus. And so um, that we are in a place where Jesus is with us and Jesus is nourishing us with the body and the blood of bread and juice. Um, and that's remarkable. But then also what happens in the midst of that is there's this, um, there's this vision that happens and it's a vision of hope that there will, you know, the God who is to come, right? There will come a day when God gathers all of his church in and there will come a day and are we ready for that day and are we participating in that day? And so when I think of remembrance, communion, and hope, I think of the God who was remembrance, is communion, is to come hope. And that the full picture of who God is is on display whenever we partake of communion. And there's a richness to that um, that I love being a part of. Uh, but I also see that I'm a minister of Word and Sacrament. And so um, what does it mean for me not just to bring proclamation, but for the sacrament to be an expression also of what, uh, what God's message is to God's people? Exactly. That's great. Um, I've got one more question uh, for you. Um, what does um, faith's mission statement, uh, which is serving, serving God's love through new life in Jesus Christ, um, what does that mean to you and how you go about in your job? Yeah, one, I think it's a beautiful mission statement. Um, that, you know, what, what's our primary? We're sharing God's love. How are we doing that? Through new life in Jesus Christ. It comes back to that first Peter passage, right? My favorite of by God's mercy, we've been given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so the very first part of it, uh, to be honest, Isaiah, is that it's, it's resurrection living. Um, that we're living out this idea that God is alive. And what does it mean for us to not only experience God's love individually, but what does it mean for me to share that love with other people? Um, you've been a part of faith for long enough. You've heard me pray this, Lord, create life in me and create life through me. And what are the, what's the kind of life we're asking? We're asking, Lord, create love in me. And create life, love through me. And may it be an expression of the love that you have for me. And it's living out the resurrection. Um, the other piece that it does is that it, it's both an internal, what does it mean for us to be the body of Christ together, care deeply about people who carry initial care, someone who's lost someone, um, somebody who's in a, a spiritual crisis or a spiritual journey, um, discipleship, leadership development. Does it mean for us to participate in our next generation? Right. And, you know, specifically like for you, for us to be in a place where we love you the way God loves you. That's important, right? To give you opportunities for God, for you to know that God is for you, for you to know that God has purposes and plans for you, for you to know that you're free from sin and guilt and shame because of the resurrection of Christ. Um, and so it means all of those things to me, but it also means the community. And so the evangelism part. 
And so uh, I, I don't think the world is in need of being told what new rules they have to live by. I don't think the world's in a place of needing to be reminded of uh, the reality of sin. I do think the world is in a place where they're desperately wanting to see the true expression of God's love in the world. And so what I love about our mission statement is sharing God's love through new life in Jesus Christ. It defines what we do when we're in the church, what we do when we're in worship, but it also defines what we're doing when we're outside and we're living with people in our community. We're living with friends who may not be people who believe, but we're still sharing God's love. And then it gives us a global vision, right? Partnering with our missionaries. And so what does it look like for us to partner with people in India? What does it mean for us to partner with people in the Netherlands or in Mexico sharing God's love through new life and Jesus Christ gives us a radical vision for both local global, what we're doing with each other, what we're doing with friends who might not know Christ. Um, for me, it's incredibly comprehensive and it's motivated out of the rich story of God's love for, for humanity. That's great. Well, Jonathan, that's all the questions I have. Um, thanks for being Sweet. on this. It was good. Thank you. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. Would you mind uh, closing us in prayer? I'd love to do that, for sure. Let me pray. Lord, uh, first, I just give you thanks for what you have birthed in Isaiah, for this idea, uh, for his creativity, for his willingness to do this. And so, Lord, just pray a blessing upon this. And then for all those who would hear, um, for all those who would listen to it, Lord, that there would just be a richness of life that's shared and life that's thought about. Um, Lord, help us to be faithful in what it means to be people of Jesus what it means to be people of your word, what it means to be people of sacrament, what it means for us to be the people of the church. And uh, Lord, we pray that you'll use all of it for your glory and that you'll use all of it too to share your message with the world. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah. Blessings, man. Thanks. Bye. See ya.